RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and I hope you guys are having a lovely day. Thank you so much to Just Duckies, getting it started with the gold pills over there at pilled.net. Says much love and hope everyone had a blessed weekend. I hope you did as well. And if you didn't get a chance to watch the programs that I did over the weekend, you may want to go back and check them out. Had a couple of great interviews, one with a survivor of ritualistic abuse, and then another with a uh, PhD who discovered an algorithm in the state of New York, which allowed them to hide millions of fake voters. But today, we are talking about a lot of stuff, including... The inevitable impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. That's right, because I don't think there's any other plainer way you could say it. Willful and systemically refusing to comply with the law. Why even have laws if you don't follow them? Why bother having a Congress to enact laws? Why bother having a head of the DHS? These questions and more, hopefully, we'll ask today. But first, before we begin, I need to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's program, and that would be, once more, the author Rosie Damore and her book, Blessed, The Reclaiming My Life from the Horrors of Ritual Abuse. Now, as I've told you guys already, I just want to remind you one more time, this is a very powerful book that details a rare firsthand account from a survivor of ritualistic abuse. The sad thing is that many people who are put into this position don't end up surviving, and the ones who do come out the other side quite often are just unable to even consider talking about their experience. Now, I wanted Rosie to come on the show to do an interview in person, but she said that she's essentially exhausted whatever energy and courage she had in writing this stuff down on paper. It is brutal. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a difficult book to read, but I think that the more light we shine on this subject, the less likely it is that people are going to be able to continue getting away with it. So she wrote this book to kind of help her gain strength and work through everything that happened to her so that she wouldn't have to relive it again. It is a critical piece of work. And if anybody's out there saying that pedophilia is not real, that satanic ritual abuse doesn't exist, uh, all I, I can tell you is that you are willfully ignorant and blind to what is, in my opinion, the most heinous and sinful act that you can commit as a human being. Children deserve to be protected. And those people who pretend that this stuff does not actually happen are either involved in it, frankly, or 
They're just too stupid to see what's right in front of their face. So a lot of times the mainstream media, uh, people who want to engage in this type of behavior, they, they throw shade at the survivors of ritualistic abuse. They write articles about how they're conspiracy theorists or they're crazy and they don't even know what the heck they're talking about. But remember, when you read this book, it's not a bedtime story. There are horrors that are, are just so unspeakable in here, it caused Rosie to enter into dissociative states. And that quite often happens. Unfortunately, the way that this uh, satanic ritual abuse works, uh, the way that um, mind control programming works, that's what they have to do. They scar people, they damage them, they emotionally inflict as much pain as they do physically in order to essentially break them as a person. And then they can basically use that individual as a, a robot. Uh, as an automaton, they can make them do whatever they want. And I just thought it was an incredible story that Rosie was able to break out of this. Uh, again, it, it's heartbreaking and there's a lot of accusations in here. She doesn't name anybody. She didn't want to, she didn't want to talk about it like that. She just wanted to talk about her experience. So. If you purchase the book right now by going to the link in the description of this video, the first thousand copies that are bought through this program. So if, if you're a viewer of Red Pill 78 and Red Pill News and you click the link in the description below, you're going to get a special low price. After that, it is going to go up to normal prices. And uh, I don't even know what that's going to be, to be honest with you. But if you want to read a, a full account from the point of view of a victim, uh, going from unimaginable horror to spectacular spiritual healing, then click the link in the description of this video and support Rosie, Rosie Damore. And you may remember I mentioned before, Rosie Damore is not her real name. She did not want to be doxxed and she didn't want to have her face out there on mainstream media. So thank you so much once more to Rosie for sponsoring this program and for believing in the work that we do here on Red Pill News. So thank you also for helping me to spread the message of truth, justice, and of course, corrupting, detecting corruption. Sorry, I got that a little bit mixed up in my head. But listen, before we get into the news, guys, I promised you that we were going to start listening to as many Trump-themed songs as we possibly could. So I've got one pulled up, and then I've got one more special treat that I want to go through with you. Thank you to my mother for sending it. But here, let's go ahead and take a listen to... The rap battle between President Trump and former President Obama. Hey, I'm Joe Rogan. I mean, I'm Joe Biden. I'm, I'm Joe Namath. I'm Joe Rogan. Joe Biden. And I'm here to officiate this rap battle. Your wife is a thought. And she used to post nude. Well, Michelle, I mean, Big Mike, your wife is a dude. January 6th, you caused a violent insurrection. Well, that's because they stole my election. I asked Melania, you can't get an erection. You want to take away our guns, but you still have protection. That rat on your head is a wig. Who you fooling? You're orange like a Cheeto when you're connected to Putin. You're like Dennis Rodman. I'm more like MJ. You had the worst economy, probably in decades. Overweight, out of shape, literally dead weight. Who the hell are you talking to? I know you skip leg day. A racist, a traitor, the KKK defend you. Well, you're not American, Obama. You're from Kenya. You left the border open. Economy was broken. I bet that you were 
on the island, everybody knows it. Under me, there was less division and more unity. The first black president hated the black community. You working with the feds, wiretapping people's phones. We all know that you're killing innocent kids with drones. You're a fake politician. You're an actor. You're a fraud. Well, at least I don't worship government over God. You didn't pay your taxes. I'm loved by the masses. Maybe the upper class's housing market collapses. Rappers rap about me. I'm cool in the trap house. Trap house, Obama? Don't you mean bathhouse? Plus, they were rapping about me when you were a senator. I'm like Chris Hansen. I'm about to catch a predator. You Boom. said there were good people on both sides. That was out of context. The fake news went and lied. You dropped the ball of COVID and no one is surprised. You spent trillions in the Middle East and tons of people died. Obama phone, Obamacare. I care about the poor. I'm the first president to start no new wars. You're yeah. guilty of pollution nor in the Constitution. I'm a two-time winner. I don't know about losing. You created feminists. You funded terrorists. Your chef is dead in your backyard and no one questioned it. Spied on my campaign. You and Bush crash claims. Me, I give ordinary citizens a tax break. Barack Obama did, did a great job. And so did Jack Ronald Crump. What do you think one? Co- comment in the, in the radio box down below. So I got to be honest, I think that uh, President Trump won that rap battle. And let's just take a look at a typical, typical attempt uh, by a liberal in the chat to try to obfuscate, project and cast aspersions on conservatives. We're going to talk about that so-called border bill later on in the show, if you want to stick around burner slots. Uh, but for you to claim that conservatives are the ones who fucked up the border, well, either you're a paid shill or your IQ is about as low as that guy from uh, Sling Blade, uh, Biscuits and Mustard. So let's talk about that. President Trump actually built the wall and had the rest of the material to finish the wall. Joe Biden came into office and he told everyone in the world that the border was wide open. Since Joe Biden came into office, the rate of illegal immigration into the United States of America surpasses that of the births of native children. Uh, on top of that, this so-called border bill was riddled with bad policy that never should have had a place in there. If we're talking about closing the border, if we're talking about securing the border, you can do that without tying it to money for Israel and for Ukraine. If you care about America as you are pretending to do in the chat, then you'll start talking about these subjects honestly. But of course, I don't have much faith that you'll do anything other than continuing on with your current behavior. So let us begin by getting into the news. You're probably going to like this one. These are sitting members of Congress. And I just want you guys to take a look at who's running this place. Wait a second, who's that dude on the right? Oh, that's that's Rashida Talab. I guess the jury's still out on her biological gender. So I just want to remind you that each member of the squad is being paid something like $200,000 a year. Not a single one of them has done anything meaningful 
for the representation of their districts or the people who voted for them. They haven't had their names tied to a impactful piece of legislation since the moment they came into office. Apparently, they are now just very well-paid agitators attempting to implement communism here in the United States. But wait, someone fixed it. Let's go ahead and watch the fix. And there we go. We don't have to worry about it anymore. So I'll tell you one thing that Ilhan Omar has done since she came into office. Besides marrying her brother, besides having ties to terrorist organizations, she also went on record to let America and the people of Minnesota know that her first master is not the United States of America where she's elected to Congress. No, unfortunately, that would be her native Somalian. She gave a speech speaking to the Somalian residents of Minnesota. Now, she originally came here as a refugee, as I'm sure many of you know, but this speech was given in a Somali community center in Minnesota over the weekend, and it's gone viral uh, because the translation of this speech is uh, quite shocking. She essentially says that she and her fellow Somalis are Somali first, not America first, and Muslim second. So where does the United States even fall on that spectrum? They do not even consider the fact that they have American citizenship. And she essentially gives the, 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 she says the quiet part out loud by stating openly to them that she, as a Somalian, is working inside the United States government for the best interests of Somalia, not for America. So we're going to go ahead and watch the video and I will translate for you. Because uh, you, if you're listening at home, you're not going to be able to see the, sub, the subtitles. <laughs> and of course, there's no subtitles on this one. I got to go to X. Okay, she begins. We as Somalians, and let me turn down the volume just a little bit. We as Somalians, we love each other as they should. There are areas of friction that led us to kill each other. But in reality, we are an organized society. Brothers and sisters. Ooh, that's, I don't know that she should have used that particular turn of phrase. Definitely brothers and sisters, but brother lovers, sister lovers. People of the same blood, just like my husband. People who know they are Somalians first. Muslims second, who protect one another to come to each other's aid and to the aid of other Muslims, too. Now, for anybody who might decry the fact that I would draw any attention to this, uh, you know, I'm I'm a racist. I'm a nationalist. I will say, yes, I am a nationalist. America is my country. America is where my allegiances lie. And if you're a congressman in Washington, D.C., your allegiance should be to your country and your people. Not the people whose country you left because it was such a shithole, but the country where you now reside, call home, and are a citizen of that country. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve the leadership of one nation while serving as an employee, as an elected representative in another. This is impossible to do. It's either one or the other. And I would say, as I pointed out earlier in the show about the fact that Ilhan Omar has done nothing of note 
other than bloviate and have press conferences. The fact that Ilhan Omar has not done anything of substance to represent the people of Minnesota. Well, uh, that's because she's not even there pretending to represent the people of Minnesota. She's there to represent Somali interests. And as it would turn out, more likely than not, Muslim interests. A couple of days ago, we heard some people call themselves Somalis. Or claim to be Somalis have signed an MOU with Ethiopia and on access to the sea. Mm, I do not know what an MOU is in Somali. Oh, yeah, it's an agreement. I'm sorry. My grasp on the Somali language is atrocious. What a shame. Again, an uncomfortable laughter. Many Somalians have personally called me to encourage me to speak to the U.S. government to thwart that MOU. And help Somalia. They wanted to know what the U.S. government could do for Somalia to ensure the MOU never turns into a full bilateral agreement. This sounds a little bit like uh, imperialism, modern day imperialism. The United States getting involved in the affairs of African nations. Let the African nations sort it out then. My answer to Somalians was that the U.S. government will only do what Somalians in the U.S. tell them to do. Why are Somalians telling the U.S. government to do anything at all? They will do what we want and nothing else. They must follow our orders. And that is how we will safeguard the interest of Somali. We Somalians must have that confidence in ourselves that we call the shots in the U.S. We live in the U.S., pay taxes in the U.S., and have a real voice. This U.S. is a country where one of your daughters, myself, is in Congress to represent your interest. Wild applause. For as long as I am in the U.S. Congress, Somalia will never be in danger. Its waters, the Indian Ocean, will not be stolen by Ethiopia or others. The U.S. would not dare to support anyone against Somalia to steal our land or oceans. Sleep in comfort, knowing I am here to protect the interests of Somalia from inside the U.S. system. And it goes on. But I think we've heard enough. Now, I want to go on record and say that I am uncomfortable and I am against any elected member of the federal government or even state or local government being a citizen of any nation except the United States of America. Because as soon as they have that dual allegiance, the interests of the United States and the people they were elected to represent are not going to be the first thing on their mind. It means that Ilhan Omar or any other congressman or senator or governor, for that matter, anyone with a dual citizenship, they're going to take into account the needs of that country as well as the United States of America. And in the position of Ilhan Omar, who didn't move to the United States simply for a better life, it seems she moved to the United States to subvert the American system uh, to, as she says, uh, represent the interests of Somalis from inside the U.S. government to control 
the U.S. government. Well, that's where it becomes a real problem. I am firmly against this being okay and being legal, and I think that something absolutely needs to be done about it. Uh, I wonder what it takes to rise to the level of treason. Uh, I mean, why are you in the U.S. government? What is it that you believe you're supposed to be doing inside the U.S. government? But I have to say at the end of the day that Ilhan Omar stating this quiet part out loud, it's really no different than any other member of Congress rather than representing the interests of the American people, instead representing a corporate interest or representing a banking interest. Right now, we have nothing inside U.S. government except for uh, various conflicts, Conflicts of every type. And as soon as that conflict arises and an elected official of any type starts making choices, starts making policy based upon that interest rather than what's good for their people. Well, my friends, that's what you see in a country like the modern day United States of America. And it is highly, highly depressing. But as I often say, we can't fix a problem unless we can identify it. And my friends, I believe that this is a real, real problem. All right. So before we get into the tragic drone attack from, uh, I believe, Houthi rebels once more uh, that is being attributed to Iran, uh, I wanted to show you guys something that my mom had sent me. So what we have here is uh, Biden Bingo 2024 edition. Now, I may have to get this a little bit closer but as you can see, we've got a variety of different um, st statements or, or actions that Joe Biden may have made. And look, I bought these poop stickers to mark them off. But OK, so we're going to start off off up here at the top uh, trips or stumbles. Do you guys know if has he tripped or stumbled this year? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. So how about testing positive for covid? Uh, you know, he's fully vaccinated. So we know that that's going to happen as well. Uh, also, nods off in an event that that happens pretty much every time he has to sit still for longer than 20 minutes. Uh, what about eating ice cream in public or speaking unintelligibly? Oops, that one happened over the weekend. So let's choose a poop sticker to go ahead and throw on speaking unintelligibly. That's great. All right. What about forgetting what he's saying? You know what? I believe that that happened over the weekend as well. So we have a different poop sticker. We're going to put that right there on that one. All right. How about uh, embarrassing embarrasses us in a U.S. in a foreign embarrasses the U.S. in a foreign country? I haven't seen him take any trips so far this year. Uh, what about oh, taking time off in Delaware? We've definitely already had that one happen a couple of times in 2024. So we'll go ahead and mark that one off. Saying the quiet part out loud. You know what? He's been very vocal uh, about his disdain for the American people and uh, half the nation in terms of Magadonia. Uh, what about getting ignored by a world leader? I don't think I've seen that one yet. Uh, ponders to insert any alphabet. Oh, panders to insert alphabet soups. You know what? I think we're going to actually going to be talking about a case of that today. So we'll go ahead and mark that off. Uh, what about, uh, brings Bo up in a speech? Uh, I don't think anyone's died yet this year that he's had to attend a funeral. So I don't think I've heard him bring up Bo, but oh, look, we do have a free space. Let's go ahead and choose a big poop sticker to throw on there as well. All right, let's see. Uh says, come on, man. Yep, he actually said, come on, man, over the weekend. We'll go ahead and knock that one right out. 
Okay, let's see. What about uh, guest stars on a reality show or a TikTok video? Well, I'm, I haven't seen that yet, but that's sure to come. Uh, what about, ooh, lying about his past. This weekend, he actually said that he was part of the civil rights movement. I've got a story picked up about that as well. So that's a 100% right there. Uh, what about sniffs a hair uh, of a child or an adult? He got uncomfortably close to some children uh, in the last two weeks. So, yeah, definitely uh, denies involvement with Hunter's business. I haven't seen that happen uh, so far this this week. But let me see. Whispers into a microphone. Yep, we definitely had that one this weekend as well. Uh, the creepy whispering into the microphone. Uh, makes a tragic event about him. Wow, man, that's almost the same as uh, him talking about Bo, but I don't think I've seen that one yet. Uh, yells into the microphone. Definitely yelled into the microphone. Let me go ahead and put a poop sticker there. Uh, wanders off in the wrong direction. Yes, I, he he definitely did that one in the last two weeks. I know that. Uh, what about steps down from the race? Oh, darn it. We don't have that one yet. Uh, and then him falling, haven't seen that, challenges Trump to a fist fight. Oh, mom, those last two is gonna, are going to be difficult. Let me go ahead and see if, make sure I didn't miss anything. Biden brought up Bo when he yelled about Trump not going to France Cemetery and calling the dead suckers. Okay, well, there we go. Brings up, we've got the, I'll put the rainbow poop on that one. Uh, let me see, where is bringing up, there we go, brings up Bo. Oh, we are so close, guys. We just need him to guest star in a reality show or a TikTok, and we'll have bingo. Okay, you've already got bingo, A-Dig? Look at that. Man, we're very, very close here. Uh, oh, Mom, you, you, this is not a typical bingo thing, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. You, you had a lot of choices, and I think you did a really good job making sure that we put as many in there as possible. Yeah, the teen girl recoiled when he went in for a sniff at a restaurant. Uh, Fredo says, I think you brought up Bo when he was lying about Trump calling the soldiers in Paris suckers. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. All right. So, I was, okay. So basically, we're, we're looking for either in, 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 him embarrassing us in a foreign country, getting ignored by a foreign leader. Those could happen on the same, uh, visit. We got to have that guest starring in a reality show or TikTok. But who knows? We could be uh, we could have every single every single slot on this card filled within a week. I mean, let's just look at Biden's past behavior. I want to say thank you very much to uh, real Red Pill 78 mom. That's so funny. Thank you very much, mom. I love you. OK, let's go. Ah, So really unfortunate. Um it was announced on Saturday that three U.S. servicemen were killed and there were many more wounded in a drone attack and Tower 22 in Jordan, right near the border with Syria. Um, it's the first one to kill U.S. troops out of uh, over 150 attacks on U.S. bases that have happened since October 7th. So uh, we can thank the Lord on that one. Um we did have a number of Americans that were killed on October 7th and then uh, several more that were taken hostage. But earlier this month, we also had those tragic deaths of the two Navy SEALs who drowned off the coast of Somalia, interestingly enough. I wonder if Ilhan Omar can find anything out about that uh, as well. Now, this was um, this is the press release right here. Announcement of U.S. casualties in northeast Jordan near Syria border. On January 28th, three U.S. service members were killed and 25 injured from a one-way attack that impacted a base in northeastern Jordan near the Syria border. As a matter of respect, 
Uh, they are not identifying them yet. I believe they will be identified in short order. But, um, you know, the one question I have is, how- oh, no. Why is my hold on my uh, my mouse pad quit working? OK, well, there we go. Now it's working. My question is, how did a uh, a drone like this? My browsers quit quit working. What the heck? Okay, we're good. How did a drone like this get through the defenses of the United States military? Um, you know, I mean, they mentioned October 7th a number of times in this report, and I can't help but think about I can't help but think about how on October 7th, uh, some relatively unsophisticated attacks were able to make it through Israeli defenses as well. And now as a result of this attack, uh, there are many people in uh, the the government, war hawks, if you will, uh, who are suggesting that we should go bomb Iran right now. And I cannot help but think that the beating of the war drums with Iran as we get closer to the election in November uh, could be a plausible sort of October surprise event that the Biden admin might use, much like Obama used with the supposed assassination of Osama bin Laden. Uh, if we enter into a full-scale war, well, then it's going to force the United States government to hand over a ton of money, perhaps uh, power and uh, wartime powers specifically to the Biden regime. So this is definitely something I'm keeping my eyes on. And uh, I think that we must, must keep the people of our armed forces, no matter where they are, in our prayers. And uh, I think that one thing that makes me feel like perhaps we don't really need to worry about anything at all uh, is the fact that Joe Biden called Donald Trump the sitting U.S. president over the weekend. This is obviously one of those slip-ups that uh, I don't think that Joe Biden meant to make, or maybe he did. Let's take a listen. You tell me what you think. Ooh, i got to turn it up. Consumers are facing real confidence in their economy we're building. Let me tell you who else is noticing that. Donald Trump. <laughs> Did you see what he recently said about that wants the, the, he wants to see the economy crash this year? Yeah. A sitting president. As they say in my faith, bless me, Father. A so sitting American president. Are- so, I, I don't think Donald Trump is wishing that the economy collapses. Uh, I think that uh, it's quite obvious that the economy is collapsing on its own thanks to the policies of the Biden regime. Uh, so we don't need to worry about that. Um, but uh, Joe Biden, obviously, we had a number of bingo things that I pulled uh, from that clip right there. Joe Biden has a history of saying things that, I don't know, don't make any sense or they don't have the correct context. Uh, Donald Trump was a sitting U.S. president officially. Now, uh, 
Uh, he's basically running a shadow presidency from outside of the White House, from the winter White House, if you will, down there at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Joe Biden is destroying this country so well on his own, and it's one of the better red pills that I've seen uh, since you know I started thinking about stuff like this. Joe Biden is the one who is turning people towards Donald Trump because nobody has confidence in the U.S. economy. Uh, the inflation rate is out of control. People are making less money than they ever have. Uh, this is a really sad, sorry state of affairs, and nobody has any confidence in Joe Biden's ability to lead, which is why he is so low in the polls. You might remember this one as well. My professor, uh, uh, well, I won't get into my professor. <laughs> well, look, my predecessor, though, my professor. So he started to refer to Donald Trump as his professor, which, of course, you can account uh, uh, dementia and, and, and Alzheimer's, that sort of thing. Uh, the slowing down of his neural synapses and uh, maybe he's taking something that is affecting his ability to think properly. But I find that difficult to believe. I mean, I would think that every time he goes out, they're going to be sticking him with some sort of cocktail that's going to make him as quick as possible. That's really something to think about. Like, to understand that in order for Joe Biden to do a speaking engagement in front of people, he's got to be so doped up on some sort of amphetamine so that he can even act as stupid as he does. Uh, it's uh, it's quite an appalling thought to, to, to when you realize this guy is the one who's living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, resident, not president. So we were talking in bingo about Joe Biden lying about something. And uh, here we go. Joe Biden went to church to a, a, a black church over the weekend, and he once again told the lie that he had been deeply invested in the civil rights acts uh, and the civil rights movement itself. Uh, as we all know, Joe Biden was a uh, not a proponent of busing. He said that he didn't want his children growing up in a jungle, a racial jungle. Uh, Joe Biden also was responsible for that uh, that crime act that came out under Bill Clinton, which was responsible for the long term incarceration of, of more black Americans than anything that's come before or since. Uh, and of course, Joe Biden was famously really good friends with Robert Byrd. Someone who the Democrats have conveniently forgotten about, besides the fact that the Democrat Party started the Ku Klux Klan and that their members were members of the Ku Klux Klan and that Robert Byrd, a sitting member of Congress until he passed away, was also a former Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. And Joe Biden considered him to be a, a great friend. I believe he spoke at his funeral. Um, Zach, a YouTuber named John Paul Revere of the Ancient Order of Men wrote a campaign theme song for Trump. Check it out for the beginning of the show. Okay, TZ Burton, I will remember that one. Let me just set this aside so that I can copy that after the show is over. Okay, so Joe Biden was attempting to appeal to black Americans because they've been leaving him in droves. In fact, they've been leaving the Democrat plantation in general. Uh, so he participated in a political event that took place at St. John the Baptist Church just yesterday. And this is where he lied from the pulpit about his role in the civil rights movement and his history of attending 
black churches. He always likes to make it out that he basically, you know, he's he's like Navin Johnson from The Jerk. I was born a poor black child in Alabama. Let's go ahead and take a listen to Joe Biden. Thanks for bringing me home. Well, y'all think I'm kidding. For the longest time, when I was a young public defender and a United States senator, I went to, if you know, excuse me, an AME church, I apologize. But Reverend Beeman, you brought it all back, Rev. Don't you just love that, that, uh, uh, that affectation that politicians like Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton take on when they're speaking to particular audiences. Joe Biden wants people to believe that he's uh, some folksy old black folk. You know, he's just he's just a poor black farmer from Delaware. You know, he used to go to black churches all the time. He did not want to send his kids to a racially segregated school. It's demeaning. You know, he he's pandering. And that was yet another option over there on the bingo card. So you, it asks, it begs the question, how is the black community responding? Well, it just keeps getting worse for Joe Biden as more and more people wise up, as more and more people get red-pilled, as more and more people understand that there's only one thing standing between them and success. And that, my friends, is Joe Biden and his regime. Uh, they are one and the same, obviously. And by extension, the deep state... And by extension, the Democrats and by extension, the rhinos. So everybody who doesn't care about America or American people is destroying America. And at one time, black Americans were under the spell, believing that Democratic Party was the party of the people. Unfortunately, it's the party of elites. It's the party of bankers. It's the party of war, of death and destruction It's not the party of America. Snoop Dogg at one time, well, you know, he's gone through a number of, um, I don't know, evolutions because he used to be a fan of Donald Trump. And then he had that song come out in 2017. You guys remember that? I was pissed when that song came out. Not because I really care what Snoop Dogg thinks, but because in this music video, he essentially had a pantomime version of him assassinating President Trump. He had a clown version of President Trump. And at the end of the song, he shot a uh, like a circus gun at him. And, of course, a flag came out. The gun goes off. There's like a puff of smoke and some sparkle and confetti. And then the flag says bang. Okay, and the the insinuation was clear. Now, this was a different time. Uh, This was a time when popular culture was uh, just completely ensconced in images of Donald Trump as a a terrible person, a racist, as some sort of menace to society. Uh, And of course, that's that was the evolution that Snoop Dogg had at that time. You went from loving Trump to hating Trump. Well, I guess he's back to loving Trump again. Uh, he was asked about this over the weekend, and uh, a lot of people noticed that this was a profound U-turn from what he had previously said, especially what he depicted in that video. Uh, so this was an interview with The Times that was published on Sunday, and the author of this article had asked him uh, about Snoop Dogg's feelings on Trump. And he said, Donald Trump, he ain't done nothing wrong to me. 
He's done only great things for me. And he also said that uh, this is largely because President Trump had pardoned Michael Herio Harris, who was the co-founder of Death Row Records, who was in prison for, I believe, attempted murder and drugs charges or something like that. But he continued, I have nothing but love and respect for Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, he praised the decision to release his friend in 2021, saying, I love what they did. That's great work for the president and his team to fu- to do on his way out. Uh, and obviously that, oh, here is a picture of that video. Stark contrast. And you, you, it begs the question, I mean, if you're one of those people who looks at everything that Donald Trump has done and you're unable to understand what the true impact of that is and you're unable to understand that you've been lied to by the mainstream media, you've been lied to by popular culture, you maybe have even been lied to by people who you love and who love you, but maybe they're just as brainwashed as you. Maybe you haven't taken the adequate time to do quality research and look into the reason why people like Snoop Dogg are turning back to Donald Trump. Well, at this point, if you're one of those people who thinks Donald Trump is a a Nazi and a criminal and who cannot be allowed to return to office, again, you're probably a paid shill. Maybe you're, uh, you're an employee at CNN or maybe you're just too stupid to do the research yourself. Uh, I encourage you to go ahead and do that. And when you understand the true impact that Donald Trump had on this country, maybe you need to fail in life as a result of what Joe Biden's done to America. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's because you haven't been touched by the destruction of the American economy. Maybe you haven't lost your job yet. Maybe you're safe and sound working in the gender studies department of a prestigious Ivy League university. Well, at some point, the money for those programs are going to dry up. And maybe, maybe only then are you going to understand exactly why we love Donald Trump and why Donald Trump is good for America. Uh, Jim Kyle says Mark Wahlberg is a Trump fan. Uh, That doesn't surprise me. I've heard Mark Wahlberg say some pretty base stuff. All right, so... uh, (laughs) Burn slots. I'm not going to do your job for you. I mean, you're the one who's taking the time to hang out in my chat uh, and to attempt to antagonize me and my audience. But I'm just trying to let you know that it's not going to work. And the answers are out there. You just need to go look for them. You need to look at other sources besides CNN, MSNBC, and TikTok, because those are not going to give you truth. Uh, so let's see what the black voters of South Carolina have to say about this. These are the same people that Joe Biden was appealing to uh, when he went to this church yesterday and pretended that he had some deep roots with the black community. Uh, on February 3rd, we're going to find out exactly how they feel about him, because that's when the Democrat and Republican primaries are set. Uh, and we have one black South Carolina voter who was questioned about who he was going to vote for and his feelings on uh, Joe Biden. His name is Joseph Tyler. You can see him right here. He's an everyman, a South Carolina everyman. He said, Biden just wants to cause more bills for everybody. Objectively true. And he's got a lot of homeless people out here. Also objectively true. Uh, now, it ain't the black community. It's everybody's community. Amen. Amen. This is a this is a nation of many different communities. And this is why 
uh, when the Black Lives Matter psyop was going on, it was offensive to people who care about America because by specifically delineating us into various groups, whether it's based on our sexuality or it's based on the color of our skin or it's based on our religion, by separating us, they keep us from speaking to each other and they keep us from coming together and learning what it is that we have in common, namely that we're all American citizens. And if you don't love America, if you think something's fundamentally wrong with America, then you can go to any other country on earth unless you have no marketable skills because you're a genders study major. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and watch the clip. Biden just want to cause more bills for everybody and you got a lot of homeless people out here. I think the black community is everybody community? I did vote for Biden last election and um, um, if he is running again, I don't think that's would be a selection I would make. Yes, and that is a similar sentiment that we've seen all across America from sea to shining sea. Let's go ahead and see if Biden trips, because then I can add that one to the bingo card. God, it really looks like gravity's working against him, doesn't it? Every single plodding step. cold. Where's my pudding? All right. Uh, Oh, speaking of Joe Biden, uh, the National File earlier published portions of uh, Ashley Biden's diary. Uh, That's the same diary where she talks about taking inappropriate showers with her father when she was far too old to be showering with him. And almost instantly, the website crashed. So if you don't know Joe Biden, his youngest daughter, Ashley Biden, she left a diary under a mattress in a Palm Beach rehab facility that she was staying at for a period of time. There were two individuals. I believe they were also staying at the same rehab facility. They found the Biden diary in a in a halfway house, and then they later sold it to James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Now, um, Project Veritas attempted to give the diary back to the Department of Justice and to the Biden administration. Uh, and of course, they, uh, they, they basically didn't want it, but they did confirm that it was real. They also got Ashley Biden on the phone and attempted to give it to her directly. But she nor anybody else representing the administration came to pick it up. Jim Kyle says he takes the baby stairs. Yes, he does. So in 2019, uh, she had left an entry in the diary. This was a relatively recent entry about how she used to shower with her father, Joe Biden, and suggested that it may have contributed to a sex addiction. Now, I think that anyone here who's a father knows that there are lines that you simply don't cross. You protect your children. You don't abuse your children. And I don't think that anyone who's ever had a healthy relationship with their son or daughter has given them any sort of mental or emotional baggage that would help them in developing a sex addiction. 
However, I can tell you that children who are molested either by a parent or someone else as an adult in their life oftentimes do develop sex addictions because they have an unhealthy relationship with sex. Uh, and if that's something that you want to debate, well, then you can go do it somewhere else because that's the honest to God truth. And I can't imagine, you know, I mean, like when my daughter was a baby, like sometimes because you're trying to do it quickly, you jump in with the kid and then you pass the kid off and then you finish off yourself and then the wife gets in and holds the baby. I mean, that that's just part of being an adult and trying to find the time. But Joe Biden has always been a grifter. Joe Biden's always had a life of leisure, even when he was younger. I mean, his parents had money. He didn't grow up in, uh, in in poverty. He wasn't destitute. And by the time that he had Ashley, he was well off financially. There would have been no reason for him to have a shower situation going on with this kid, let alone on a regular basis. So Ashley wrote, I have always been boy crazy, hypersexualized at a young age. Who was it that was hypersexualizing you, Ashley Biden? I remember being somewhat sexualized with a family member. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. So who was the family member that sexualized her? Was it Hunter? Was it Bo? Was it Jim or Frank or Joe? I don't know who was around, but I know that that's a lot of guys around this woman who ended up growing up with some really deep-seated issues and demons. Uh, so uh, this was attempted to be published on the National File, and the National File uh, lost their website pretty quickly. There's no confirmation if this was done purposefully, if perhaps somebody was given an order to shut their website down, or if this was done because there was such an intense amount of traffic. But looks like they are back up. And of course, this is, uh, this is gonna be far too long for us to read, uh, but they have published dozens of pages. And if you're, I've actually read as much as has been available on the show in, uh, in years past. So we're not gonna go through it, but, uh, there is a lot more news about the Biden family today. Uh, so we just had a Biden family associate testify that Joe met with a Chinese industry leader. And then very strangely, shortly thereafter, Hunter Biden was given a $3 million thank you gift. No strings attached. So he met with this shadowy Chinese businessman who was at the time making deals with Hunter Biden. This is coming from information that was released in the form of testimony given before the House Oversight Committee. Today, we learned that Joe Biden met with the now missing chairman of CEFC, Yi Ming, as Hunter Biden and his associates received $3 million from a Chinese entity, CEFC controlled. Now, I want to remind you that Yi Ming is the same Chinese associate that went missing that Hunter Biden speaks about on that voice message, and he calls him the effing spy chief of China. So now this is more than just Joe Biden meeting with a business associate, which is already far and beyond what the Bidens or Hunter has ever admitted took place before. For years, the entire narrative was that Joe Biden had nothing to do with his son's business dealings. 
Well, then we learned that Hunter would sometimes call Joe Biden, often call Joe Biden when he was at dinner meetings with his business associates. And then it turns out that Joe's actually meeting with them. And then they're at the same time, they are then giving millions of dollars to his son. This money was not attached to any sort of good or services. If you'll remember, the Trump family actually had companies that provided value for exchange of funds. But none of them did anything like this. And certainly Donald Trump never met with the spy chief of China uh, while after he had been the vice president. Uh, C2 Shining C says the quality of trolls has gone down lately. They aren't sending their best. No, unfortunately, I think it's a tough gig to get nowadays. You know, I mean, the people who are coming in here, uh, they're probably government contractors. And I would imagine that they have a number of uh, different accounts that they're running all at the same time. So they're spread a little thin. I get it, guys. I know it's a hard world out there when virtually everyone has turned on Joe Biden. Uh, and uh, already 80 percent of the country couldn't stand his stinking ass. So we continue to get more and more information about just how closely associated Joe Biden was with Hunter Biden's business partners and, of course, Hunter Biden's business entities. The New York Post had noted that the 2017 encounter uh, was described by the Biden family associate Rob Walker in an FBI interview. Wow. He actually told the FBI, but of course, the FBI did nothing about it because the FBI doesn't investigate crimes. They investigate the Trumps. Joe Biden said hello to everybody and then literally sat down. I don't even think he drank a water. I think Hunter said, um, I may be trying to start a company or try to do something with these guys. And could you? I think he was like, if I'm around and he'd show up. So this FBI interview did not note Yee's presence in that statement by Rob Walker. But in the release from Comer uh, in Friday's interview, Rob Walker confirmed that Hunter and his associates work with the Chinese government-linked energy company began over a year before Joe Biden left the vice presidency. That's right. Joe Biden was vice president of the United States of America, and his son was in bed in a business sense and probably in a literal sense with Chinese interests. The Bidens and their business dealings have always been deeply intertwined with the product that they can offer, which is access to the highest levels of power inside the American government. So Joe Biden uh, and their associates held off from being paid by the Chinese while Joe was in office. It wasn't until he left in 2017 that he ended up getting this $3 million payday. TZ Burton says, I add comments on Yahoo articles and the crazy hate responses are insane. Every article that posts is anti-Trump or anti-Republican. Well, there's also the possibility that the people who are reading those articles are the most deranged sufferers of TDS. And when they see a positive comment or something countering the official narrative in the propaganda piece that they have been attempting to enjoy. Well, it just brings up such visceral feelings of hate and fear, anger. And I know it's uh, it's a difficult thing when you realize that you've been lied to your entire life, that everything you thought was news was just one form of propaganda or another. 
Uh, and uh, I believe me, I'm here for it. I, I'm absolutely here for it. I, I want to see it happening as often as possible. But this company paid Hunter Biden and his associates $3 million shortly after Joe Biden left office as a thank you for the work they did while Joe Biden was in office. That's right. Joe Biden was selling out American foreign policy for payments from the Chinese Communist Party and their affiliated companies. According to Fox News in an FBI form outlining a 2021 interview between Walker and investigators that were working for special counsel David Weiss, Walker said the $3 million amount was more of a thank you from CEFC. I I I would like to know how you get a gig like this. I mean, how do you get... Uh, the type of gig where you're just handed $3 million checks by the Chinese Communist Party and their affiliated companies. I mean, that's a rhetorical question because I know that kind of world doesn't exist. I mean, nobody's handing out $3 million at a time unless, of course, there is something connected to that $3 million payment. Obviously, CEFC and the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Republic of China as a whole, I, I mean, they received something in order to give that $3 million. And once again, Donald Trump and his children never received thank you payments from the Chinese Communist Party or Vladimir Putin or any other foreign entity. In fact, Donald Trump was very, very careful not to do any business outside the country while he was in office. And yet they're still trying to charge him with the emoluments clause. These people are desperate desperate. And it's okay. It's okay. We don't have much longer, guys. Come November, they're going to find out what true pain feels like, what it really, really feels like to get burned. Uh, Zach, drop all your emails in the chat and say them too, please. Okay. You can email me at redpill78 at proton.me. You can also email me at redpill78 at protonmail.com. They both go to the same inbox. And then you can also go to my website, redpill78news.com, and there is a contact form on that website. Uh, and when I respond from that contact form, it's going to be coming from a Gmail because uh, the uh, the various plugins for the website don't like ProtonMail. But um, so why was Rob Walker coming in now? Well, uh, obviously, they had some questions for him. I mean, they want to know about uh, his business dealings, not only with China, but also with uh, a, a number of other entities and countries, including uh, Romania. Joe Biden was supposedly leading anti-corruption effort, efforts in Romania. And then Hunter and uh, Rob Walker began this ill-defined business relationship with a Romanian businessman, Gabriel Popovicu. Wow, that's incredible timing, right? I mean, like, what a coincidence. Joe Biden gets a gig working uh, on anti-corruption efforts in Romania, and then his son and Rob, they get a big business deal in Romania. I mean, I, I'm saying that completely facetiously because this is the kind of research that I was talking about. I mean, if you just follow the money, follow Joe Biden's movement through public office and the different countries that Hunter Biden and his business associates were doing business with, well, then you'll come to the same conclusion that that there is a connection. It's a lot more than where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, Walker ended up getting called in uh, because the, he and Hunter were receiving payments from Popovicu beginning in 2015. Again, that's when Joe Biden was the sitting vice president 
of the United States. And those payments continued throughout the end of Biden's tenure in the White House, or rather with Obama. Now, Walker came and spoke before the House Judiciary Committee uh, before both James Comer and Jim Jordan to discuss specifically whether or not Joe Biden took any official action or affected any change in government policy because of the money that he was getting paid or his son was getting paid by these other countries. Uh, they also want to know if uh, he or any other members of the Biden family were procuring things of value. Uh, like, remember, Hunter Biden was handed a couple of million dollars in diamonds at one time. Uh, and, of course, they want to know specifically uh, about the concerning relationship that uh, the Chinese Communist Party and their affiliated companies had with the Biden crime family. What additional evidence might there be to talk about the business relationships that the Biden crime family had? Uh, and then what specific U.S. policy or official acts did Joe Biden perform while he was the vice president of the United States? And to be frank, I mean, what sorts of official acts is he doing right now? Um if the Chinese Communist Party wanted to weaken the United States of America, it sounds like a pretty good deal to spend a couple of million dollars. You hire a vice president who comes in a couple of years later and then just takes the whole country to shit, destroys the military, destroys the economy, uh, essentially destroys everything. And then the Chinese are in a great place to go ahead and take back Taiwan. So according to Axios, an opening statement from Walker supported the president's version of events that he kept his distance from Hunter Biden's business venture. He said, to be clear, President Biden, while in office or as a private citizen, was never involved in any of the business activities we pursued. Any statement to the contrary is simply false. Well, again, there was an uncomfortable proximity. Uh, and for Joe Biden to be meeting with these same people, if he wasn't involved in the business dealings, then why was he involved in the business dealings? And why was he sharing office space with Chinese nationals? I think that's a question we should be asking as well. All right. So E. Jean Carroll, you might be surprised or maybe not surprised to know that President Trump is not the first of several powerful men that she has claimed sexually abused her. Uh, she accused uh, several other people. And the one thing they all have in common is that they all vehemently deny that they had anything to do with this ghoul right here, E. Jean Carroll, this New Yorker, this New York magazine cover from 2019. This is what I was wearing 23 years ago when Donald Trump attacked me in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. So she accused a number of different men, including a babysitter's boyfriend, a dentist, a camp counselor, a college day, a college day. Maybe a, a, a college uh, professor, a boss, and less moon vests from CBS and also, of course, Donald Trump. So she's claimed to have been assaulted by a number of different men beside President Trump. The one that surprises me the most is the babysitter's boyfriend, although maybe that's the one that actually happened if she was a, a child when she was um, abused. Uh, also, uh, don't forget, her lawsuit was funded by Democrat billionaire Reed Hoffman. Uh, so we're, we're trying to confirm all of these reported accusations. We know for certain that she did attack uh, Les Moonves, accused him of sexual assault. Of course, Moonves said no. What's interesting is that uh, Moonves was kicked out of CBS, uh, that he was like actively pushed out. But here's what we need to know. Here's what we need to know. As has been previously reported, 
um, a lot of this information was deemed inadmissible by the judge. And it goes to show just how crooked this trial was from the start. So E. Jean Carroll, when asked, could not recall the date, month, season, or year the incident happened. All she knows is Donald Trump fingered me. She never told anybody about it. Is that usually what happens, guys? I mean, like, really? Especially after she accused, like, 24 other dudes? Sounds like she had loose lips and she was happy to tell anybody that she was being sexually assaulted. And remember, E. Jean Carroll has an unhealthy uh, fascination with sexual activity. Take a look at her Twitter. Fredo says, at the, at, are they handing out your rumble links at post-op and bottom surgery clinics or something, Zach? You're getting some real galaxy brains in here lately. Yeah, they might be. So she never told anybody about it, but she's publicly obsessed with sexuality. You would think that at the very least she might think that there would be bragging rights in there, especially when she did say publicly that Donald Trump was sexy. She wanted to bang Donald Trump. Uh, Also, the dress that she claims she was wearing, this dress right here, this dress didn't exist at the time she was allegedly finger banged in Bergdorf Goodman's by President Trump. Uh, her description of that dressing room was also inaccurate, which makes her sequence of events physically impossible. We, As we said, her lawsuit was funded by Reed Hoffman, who just happens to be good friends with Jeffrey Epstein or was good friends with Jeffrey Epstein because he's dead now. As Bill as as Bill um, Bill Gates said, well, he's dead now. So. And. uh Nikki Haley is also good friends with Reed Hoffman. Isn't that weird? Uh, Democrats created a law called the Adult Survivors Act in 2022. If it wasn't for this act and Reed Hoffman financing her lawsuit, she would not have been able to uh, bring this lawsuit. Her accusation also happens to be a plot line for an episode of Law and Order, which also is one of her favorite shows. And she definitely saw this episode before she made up this story against Donald Trump. Uh, also, as we said, she had an unhealthy fascination and obsession with President Trump prior to this. The Apprentice was one of her favorite shows. Uh, besides accusing men of having sexually assaulted her, it would appear that she has a history of fake claims of assault. Uh, she also told Anderson Cooper, as you definitely remember, because I played it uh, at least 10 times on the show before, she said that she thinks most people think of rape as being sexy. Sexy. Think of the fantasies. Oh, yeah. Rape me, daddy. Rape me, papa. She then made a career promoting her promiscuity, even writing glowingly of sexual assault, and she named her cat Vagina, as you often do when you're obsessed with sex. I would say that if you watch any of E. Jean Carroll's interviews or you read any of her public statements, you get a look at her Twitter history. I mean, it's quite obvious there is something wrong with this woman. And it's quite obvious that she's lying about the entire made-up story. Uh, and the fact that it mirrors the plot of an episode of Law & Order spec- Special Victims Unit, I mean, come on. You, you just you can't write this stuff, but obviously somebody is. So... In her victory tour, after the $83 million judgment from a kangaroo court, E. Jean Carroll has appeared on a number of morning programs because, of course, nobody's going to give her primetime slot after she told Anderson Cooper that she thought rape was sexy. 
Uh, she went around earlier today to discuss that jury award and what she's going to do with this money. Let's go ahead. Oh, look at this. Someone included it for us. Take a look at this. Does this look does this look like a sexual assault victim to you? But I think most people think of rape as a I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. (laughs) Anderson Cooper stops dead, dead in his tracks. He's like, I can't believe she just said that. Cut. The producer's like, cut, cut, go to commercial. But I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. Mm. We've okay. Got to take a we'll quick be. Break. We're be. <laughs> you can barely get it out. <laughs> At the same time that his brain is doing somersaults, just doing flips in his head, the producer is in his ear saying like, oh, you got to stop. Get her off. Get her off. As soon as you go to commercial, tell her you cannot say rape is sexy and expect that people are going to sympathize with you. It sounds like you're excited. You got finger banged by President Trump in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room, which didn't exist at the time. And you weren't wearing that dress. And President Trump, of course, never sexually assaulted you. Here she is today on her victory tour. I just want to go. I also just want to go on record and say I don't believe that this verdict is going to stick. President Trump is not going to be forced to pay her $83 million. What's so ridiculous about this is is her claim that he defamed her after the first kangaroo court found him liable. Okay, didn't find him guilty of rape or anything like that because it wasn't a criminal court. It was a civil court where the burden of proof is far, far less than a criminal court. Uh President Trump said that he never assaulted this woman. She's not his type. He doesn't want anything to do with her. This is the world we live in now with 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 snowflakes and rainbows and people can't handle it when you say that you don't want to bang them. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's like people getting offended when you say you don't want to bang a trans woman, which is, again, a man with breasts. I, I mean, like, it's the same thing. that when you've actually faced the man, he's just a man with no clothes on. Yeah. It's the people around him that are giving him the power. The irony of that is that it's the people around E. Jean Carroll who are giving her the power. Her career was over. She was a sad, tired, empty-souled, and lonely woman who nobody knew Nobody cared about, no one was paying attention to, and she's obviously a narcissist who requires people to pay the utmost attention to her, lavish her with praise. Oh, you're so brave. Believe all women, E. Jean. You're so brave for coming forward after decades where if somebody sexually assaulted you, you didn't say anything. Well, you're essentially responsible for every person they sexually assaulted thereafter. But, of course, that never happened. It never occurred to her to come forward because he never sexually assaulted her. And there was no Reed Hoffman to say, I want to take Trump down. And I just thought of a way we can do it. All we need is for you to lie. You don't even have to remember anything because it never really happened. So nobody's going to care. 
I mean, this is this is a bunch of people who hate Donald Trump. We got money. We're going to surround you and we'll make sure you get a book deal. When you actually. When you've actually. Uh. The man. He's just a man with no clothes on. Yeah. It's the people around him that are giving him the power. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, Hans Christian Andersen's great fairy tale, The Emperor Has No Clothes, that is written about Donald Trump. It's just, we're the ones who clothe him in all this power. Hmm. He has none himself. It's his followers. It's his hangers-on. In the court, they were strutting back and forth and handing him messages. It was, right, Robbie? Ms. Yeah. Carroll, Carroll, you say he's nothing. You say the emperor has no clothes. The emperor is trying to run for president yeah. again. And, and right and, now is leading. And right now, the polls yeah, suggest yeah, it's a yeah. coin flip. It's very close. Um, have you heard from Joe Biden's campaign arm about potentially campaigning against the former president, Donald Trump? No. Are you interested in doing so? Do anything I can. That's well, a yes. Yeah. What was it? You said. Uh, something tells me that if they trot E. Jean Carroll out, that's going to be a, a risky and dangerous calculation that I don't think is going to go very well. Of course, the 10, 15, 20 people who might show up, uh, they might be excited to see E. Jean Carroll because they're going to be of the same cloth. I mean, these will be the, the same TDS suffering uh, leftoids who really don't have any firm grasp on reality or, or the truth. But. When has that ever gotten in their way? They don't care about that. Uh, TZ Burton, they haven't found AOC's grapist either. Did AOC claim to have been graped? I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of that. Um, I can tell you that, uh, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea about that story. Okay, so I said this was a kangaroo court either. Uh, earlier, earlier. Obviously, uh, there were some distressing things that came out of that courtroom. Uh, the treatment that Alina Haba received from the judge, uh, essentially being dictated to about what President Trump could be asked and what he could answer. Uh, she also claims that her experts were denied the chance to testify before the New York jury. And that might have obviously had something to do with the ruling that was handed down. As I said, this is not going to be a ruling that sticks. I know that New York is crooked as all, all get out. But this is more than likely going to be taken to a higher court. This isn't just going to be a district court thing. Uh, but she told reporters that the judge, Lewis Kaplan, had allegedly made sure that every single defense witness that President Trump had was not raised in the case. And she said her team's experts were denied and they couldn't take the stand. This is not how American justice is supposed to work. Uh, these comments came just after, of course, the jury found President Trump liable for defamation, asking him to pay a ridiculous $83.8 million to so-called writer E. Jean Carroll uh, because he supposedly defamed her in 2019 when he denied accusations she made against him. Uh, Miss Abba accused Miss Carroll's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, of bringing in a witness who was paid for by her firm. 
That is a violation of everything I stand for, and that's why I stand with Trump. That is why so many Americans are proud that he's running again and so excited to run to the ballot box. But don't get it twisted. We are seeing a violation of our justice system. Now, during the trial, you might remember also that the judge threatened to put Miss Haba in jail. He threatened to kick President Trump out of the courtroom for what he described as disruptive behavior. Uh, of course, uh, President Trump had asserted that Judge Lewis Kaplan, who was a Clinton appointee, was a partisan actor and was biased against him. I think that there's no other conclusion you can come away with. Before the judge had, uh, excuse me, before the case had even been heard by a jury, Judge Kaplan had already ruled that he believed President Trump defamed Miss Carroll. The jury was only there to consider the damages that should be paid. This is like the other kangaroo court in New York where Judge Arthur and Gorin, uh, the, 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 the grinder loving judge from, uh, the district court in New York, uh, had already decided that President Trump had committed fraud. Where's the victims? Who's the victims? The banks got all their money back. It's freaking ridiculous. But of course, this is going to be appealed. Um, this, uh, th- this $83.3 million just, excuse me, this $83.3 million award is in the form of $18.3 million in compensatory damage. That includes $11 million for harm to her reputation. We already thought she was a lunatic, so I don't think President Trump did anything additional to convince us of that. That also includes uh, $65 million in punitive damages, which she said was needed to stop President Trump from continuing to defame her. Now, of course, President Trump has long ago said that he never heard of Eugene Carroll until she made up this story to boost the sales for her memoir. Her His lawyers argued that she's hungry for fame in the same way that I did. She enjoys the attention of supporters. Uh, and, of course, her lawyer said during the closing argument that President Trump acted toward her client as though he were not bound by the law and he should pay dearly. What laws? What laws? All he did was speak the truth. E. Jean Carroll was already a public person. So for anyone to believe that the statements of one man, when she's already an, a published author, okay, she worked for prestigious fashion magazines. She also did a uh, whirlwind tour telling people about how Donald Trump supposedly sexually assaulted her. She's already out there in the public. Of course, because this is Donald Trump who was being sued, that's how E. Jean Carroll was able to get this verdict. Now, the judge, there's some problems with him, too. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, President Trump uh, testified. He, he spent four minutes on the witness stand, and he was forbade from revisiting issues that the first trial had already settled. Uh, he stood behind his October 2022 de- deposition, where which jurors were allowed to see, uh, in which he called Miss Carroll's claims a hoax, and he said she was mentally sick. And, of course, President Trump is going to appeal this verdict. So that judge... It turns out there was a conflict of interest. Remember when we were talking about uh, the uh, situation with corrupt Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis? We'll talk about her next. But um, the appearance of impropriety, the appearance of a conflict of interest is enough in a courtroom setting to force something to happen. And in this case, with E. Jean Carroll's lawyer and the judge having a previous relationship, they used to work together at the same freaking law firm, and Judge Lewis Kaplan served as her mentor, that should have been a point of cont- con- contention. 
and a point of order should have been made. Judge Lewis Kaplan never should have been able to uh, preside over that case. Uh, but of course, I'm sure this is going to be used in that appeal. So uh, the basis of the appeal hinges entirely on it. Alina Haba expressed shock upon learning that both Judge Kaplan and Roberta Kaplan, who are not related, previously worked together at the same prestigious law firm in the early 1990s. This was uncovered by the Post's columnist Charles Gasparino. This was following a tip that Judge Kaplan was once Roberta Kaplan's mentor. Now, according to the Post, they were both employed at Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Wharton, and Garrison early in the 1990s. Kaplan was a partner until his appointment to the federal bench in 1994. Roberta Kaplan stayed there until 2016 when she founded her own firm, Kaplan, Hecker, and Fink. Uh, so any lawyers in the chat, anyone out there with a firm grasp on uh, American trial law, you'll probably agree with me here that this is going to be grounds for an appeal. Uh, and, of course, a rep for Roberta Kaplan and uh, for Judge Kaplan also say that there is no conflict of interest. They overlapped for less than two years in the early 1990s. Donald Trump shakes hand with the Russians and the people on the left say that he's owned and operated by Putin. But no. You work together with somebody for two stinking years, and then you have only the most important case of their career, your career, and the former president of the United States' career, and there's no conflict of interest? Oh, no. So this is the thing. Democrats always want you to believe that they're beyond reproach. They are above corruption. But we know the truth. It's actually the complete opposite. So... The lack of disclosure for this professional relationship leads one to believe that perhaps there's a reason why they did not want it to be discovered. Haba said that it's insane, it's incestuous, and it's a potential violation of judicial ethics rules. Wouldn't it be funny if this got Judge Kaplan kicked off the bench? She says that when she learned about it, this is new to us. We're going to include this in our appeal and take appropriate measures. The fact it wasn't disclosed is an ethics violation. And uh, if anybody knows anything about ethics violations, well, that would be our friend Fannie Willis from down there in Fulton County, Georgia. You may be pleased to learn that the lieutenant governor of Georgia, even though Brian Kemp is an ineffectual spaghetti spine, doesn't want to do anything about it. Governor, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones has announced that uh, he is assigning members of a new investigatory committee to look into Fannie Willis. He's going to be announcing them soon, and they will have subpoena power, and they are looking into Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. Of course, this comes after Fannie Willis thumbed her nose in the face of congressional subpoena power, saying that as a body of government in a separate branch of government, they were attempting to meddle into her investigation. Well, now it's going to be members of her own government looking into the actions of Fannie Willis and, of course, her hiring decisions, those decisions being to break up a marriage, hire her boyfriend, pay him more than the expert who wrote the book on RICO cases, who was on the same team, uh, and then, of course, to coordinate this case, which is a big nothing burger, a series of benign acts strung together in a racketeering case to coordinate those efforts with Joe Biden's own White House and Justice Department. The official counsel for Joe Biden met with Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis 
and helped them to craft this indictment. And the indictment was even revealed before the jury had finished deliberating. Sounds like they put it together for them, walked into that jury room and said, these are the charges. We just need you to sign off and that's all we're going to need from you. Oh, and we can't forget that with that extra money, Fannie Willis paid her boy toy, Nathan Wade. He took her on a number of Caribbean cruises. He took her on first class flights all across America. I mean, talk about a conflict of interest. Fannie Willis getting her biscuits buttered by her boyfriend at the expense of the taxpayers of Fulton County. Woo-wee. That's definitely a conflict of interest. So. It's good to know the committee is going to be bipartisan. There's going to be six Republicans and three Democrats. Chef's kiss. And they're going to be looking into Willis's relationship with Nathan Wade. They're going to be looking at the misuse of taxpayer funds. Uh, and, of course, they're going to give uh, an incredible amount of scrutiny as to whether or not the indictments against President Trump were politically motivated. I think we all know what the answer to that is. Uh, and uh, I don't think that any new information has come out. But the uh, official announcement from Lieutenant Governor uh, uh, Burt Jones, he said the Georgia Senate has the right and responsibility to investigate misuse of taxpayer resources by public officials. I have full faith in the members of this investigative committee chosen this morning by the Committee on Assignments and their efforts to pursue the truth wherever it may lead. And it's going to lead right back to where it all began, Miss Fannie Willis. With this announcement, we are one step closer to undercovering the truth behind Fannie Willis, her relationship with Mr. Wade, and the misuse of taxpayer funds. These are the people who are going to be serving on it. Yes, Fannie Gate grows daily, just like her ass. All right, so I don't know anything about these uh, uh, members of the Georgia State Senate. Maybe if you guys are from Georgia, you can tell me if we're talking about rhinos, are we talking about people who really care about truth, justice, and the misuse of taxpayer funds? Uh, Buck Wayne says, it looks like the libs are stealing plot lines from the Blacklist show. I've been watching past episodes and seeing some very familiar shit. Nothing new under the sun. Uh, yes, I think you're, I think you're probably right. Yes, good copy of Buford. My name, my name is Lieutenant. Oh, thank you, number one Indiana dad. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for that donation over there on Ko-Fi. Governor Burt Jones. As you know, the Senate recently adopted Senate Resolution 465. Now, I have to go back and tell you guys, when this whole thing kicked off with Fannie Willis and they were uh, starting to look at what she was doing, and I said, these these are conflicts of interest. She's got ethics problems already. It was Senate Resolution 465 that was going to allow them to look into her. I can't, I gotta say, the timing on this is perfect, okay? They, they passed this resolution, Fannie Willis colludes with the White House to indict Donald Trump and 17 other co-defendants who didn't break any laws. And then almost immediately she gets caught stooping her lead prosecutor who has no prosecutorial experience. And he's basically the Sam Goodman of uh, central Georgia. Uh, and of course they end up using Senate resolution 465 uh, and this ethics ethics thing to look into her. That's so good. All right. So tell me about this. Senator Bill Kausert, District 46. He's going to be the chair. Senator Greg Dolezal, District 28. He's going to be vice chair. 
Senator Jason Estevis, District 6, Senator John Kennedy, <laughs> Senator Blake Tillery, Senator Harold Jones, Senator Bo Hatchett, Senator Steve Gooch, and Senator Gloria Butler. Here's a statement from some of those people. Cowsert, uh, the man who's going to be running the, running it. I am honored to be chosen to chair this important committee investigating potential misuse of taxpayer dollars for personal gain and unethical behavior by public officials and paid prosecutors. There has been a dramatic increase in public confidence. Excuse me. There has been a dramatic decrease in public confidence in the fairness and impartiality of our criminal justice system. If true, Recent allegations related to Fannie Willis and Mr. Wade are deeply disturbing. We will independently investigate those claims in a bipartisan fashion and in pursuit of the truth. Our charge is not to interfere with ongoing criminal proceeding, to prosecute misconduct, or to disqualify any individual prosecutor. Rather, we seek to restore public confidence in our criminal justice system. If I may say... In order to restore confidence in the American justice system, you're going to have to single out the people who did the bad stuff, okay? The people representing the legal system who broke the law and who used taxpayer funds for their own benefit, those people need to pay. Those people need to be brought to justice, we can't keep allowing them to get away with it. This is like a Sam Hyde shooting at this point. All right. So, uh, Nikki Haley, listen to this. I couldn't believe this. Nikki Haley said, I absolutely trust the jury in E. Jean Carroll's disgusting lawfare case. Now, I remind you, Nikki Haley is being funded by Reed Hoffman, the same Jeffrey Epstein likely co-conspirator who was paying for E. Jean Carroll to sue President Trump. It's a political hit job. Uh, so, I mean, plus there's also the fact that, I mean, everybody who loves Donald Trump, these would be the people that Nikki Haley would, uh, like, uh, allegedly be trying to court, right? Uh, and by saying this, she effectively distanced herself from the 80-plus million people who have voted for President Trump and will vote for him, I would say it's probably closer to 120 million at this point. I think we're going to have a wild, wild ride. Let's listen to what Nikki Haley said. She's just dumb as a stone. Are you still interested in a solar... Hey, it's Danielle with Four Patriots. Hi, Danielle. The experts agree on this. Both the American Red Cross and... And, and what is unique about this case is that the jury has now ruled. They have found him liable of sexual abuse. Do you not trust the jury and their findings? About Wait a second. They, they didn't find him liable of sexual abuse. They, they found him liable for defamation. I mean, I would not necessarily expect Meet the Press to have a firm grasp on what's going on in the world or, you know, what's real news and what's fake news. But come on, get it right. I absolutely trust the jury, and I think that they made their decision based on the evidence. I just don't think that should take him off the ballot. I think the American people will take him off the ballot. I think that's the best way to go. All right. And Nikki Haley obviously is so far removed from what's really happening in the country. Either, again, she's a willful 
She's willfully ignorant. Um, she is, uh, unfortunately very, very slow, uh, or she's being paid. And we know it's the last one and the other two may come into play. Uh, Glenn MS, Nikki coming to Florida so she can get donations from 12 Democrats. <laughs> Likely, likely. Uh, and here's the other thing. She also said in the same appearance that she's staying in the race until at least March. You know what that tells me? Reed Hoffman paid her to stay in the race until at least March. Because there are going to be a number of uh, primaries. Uh, in March, there are 16 state primaries. Super Tuesday, March 5th. Uh, and apparently she thinks she's going to make it to there and perhaps she's going to get some momentum. But I got to tell you, Nikki Haley is not getting any momentum. Uh, she is not going to do anything close to that. All she's doing is collecting a check. And uh, that's a really, really sad thing. All right, you guys, we are going to go uh, extra long today. I just want to let you know that right now because I have the whole section about the border that I haven't even gotten to yet because I'm pontificating on all these other subjects. I wanted to let you know real briefly that we have uh, some some bills that are up for proposal down here in Florida. Now, there are a number of exciting measures that are taking place in states all over America to secure our election system. As you may or may not know, elections are administered by the state. So the process of fixing elections is really incumbent upon the states themselves. In Georgia, for example, as the Dominion case is rolling on, this is the same case where you may not know this if you don't watch my show, but uh, just last week it was proven that with simply the use of a ballpoint pen, you could change the votes on a Dominion voting systems machine. That's right. With something as low-tech as a ballpoint pen, which this one's made out of uh, bullets and shell casings, you can change the votes on a Dominion machine, which is a really good argument as to why we shouldn't be using electronic voting machines at all. In fact, the only reason we use them is because, well, first of all, people got paid to implement them. Second of all, people recognized that it would be so much easier to steal votes if we just did them electronically. So Georgia is looking at going to all paper ballots. My friends, if we have a presidential election in 2024 that is primarily administered by paper ballots, it's going to be a very, very difficult time for them to steal it in the same way they have in the past. And I remind you, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he's going to be a uh, uh, a big draw for the people who don't like Donald Trump and who can't vote for Joe Biden. So in Florida and across the nation, nearly two-thirds of all controls in the election process are missing. That means that in nearly every state, the election process, the election system itself is inherently insecure, inherently unsound. We are unable to duplicate results. We're unable to audit results to ensure that our elections are free and fair. In the state of Florida, where I am a happy resident, there are three bills that have been proposed to the state legislature that are expected to address many of the missing controls that should already exist in our elections. Uh, now, nearly, uh, we got a, a report last week from uh, 
JoeHoft.com, showing that roughly two-thirds of those controls related to the election process are missing, and uh, that's obviously very concerning. But uh, if this was to happen in any other industry, it would be a massive scandal, of course, because it's, you know, the election system and people in uh, the Democrat Party and then also the rhinos would have you believe that our election is so free and safe and secure. It's like killing it. Uh, well, of course, uh, we know that's not true, and, and they want to keep it inherently insecure so that they can keep stealing it uh, every single time they get an option. So if this was, I don't know, if this was a bank and uh, two-thirds of the safety measures in that bank to make sure that the money was actually in the vault, if those were missing, well, the bank manager would get fired, and you might end up losing your deposit. The, the same thing that happens here is that nobody gets fired in the election system. We just lose our country. We lose our ability to vote uh, and, uh, and, and our right to have our vote counted. So U.S. elections uh, are basically being tricked into believing that the process we use is the same as it is in other industries, but it's not. In fact, it's a very, very different, very, very different scenario. So a group of concerned citizens down here in Florida have put together this proposed legislation that uh, are meant to address these many different types of controls that are not in place at our elections. And they believe that by proposing these bills, getting them elected, excuse me, getting them voted on and written into law, uh, it will essentially clear up any of the problems that we might have down here. Now, it is a, uh, a fairly comprehensive task that they're being asked to do. But since we know all these things are not happening already, well, I mean, it's a fairly simple thing to just say, hey, let's just start doing them. And then we can people will stop bitching. People will stop complaining that our elections are insecure. And then maybe we'll be able to focus on the results of the election instead of focusing on not being able to figure out who even won an election. So the team looked at all of the security risks that are currently in place in our election. Uh, in a typical county in the state of Florida, uh, they were able to identify hundreds of various security risks, and they put them together in this spreadsheet and a flow chart. Now, you can see here, uh, they mark everything, and it all goes in one direction and tells you exactly what's wrong. So once the risks in an election have been outlined and they've diagrammed them, put them into this map, and they can clearly state, you know, hey, this is what we need to address. Um, they put it together into some specific groups. So those groups would be vote by mail, voter registration, and then election systems, which obviously is a big one. So election outcomes at all levels of government can be compromised by the insertion of tens of thousands of illegal vote-by-mail ballots or the deletion of legal ballots without detection. We simply can't have that happening if we're going to trust our election system. Also, millions of non-citizens and fictitious persons can register to vote in Florida because of a lack of certain safeguards. And, of course, the risk of Florida elections being hacked and manipulated is rather high due to the use of uncertified technologies and the use of outdated standards. So the citizens group drafted all of these very 
various necessities into three proposed bills that they could put forward to the Florida State Legislature, asking them to address these massive risks that we have in our elections. Uh, so we have a, uh, a series of bills, and we're going to look at them very briefly. Uh, first, they have one bill to address vote-by-mail risks, controls, and legislation. This is HB 1669, uh, and uh, these are the things that they're asking for. Uh, they're looking for uh, proof of chain of custody gaps. Uh, excuse me. They're providing proof of chain of custody gaps. Uh, they're also uh, presenting information on absentee voting and how easy it is to steal votes that way. Uh, they have put together a list of problems and then solutions to those problems. Uh, and then, of course, this will shore up our election system itself. Now, uh, the vo- the next bill, H, excuse me, SB. 1602, that deals with U.S. citizenship's risks and then controls and legislation. Uh, and then finally, we come to the technology, technology risks and then controls and legislation. So it's very well put together. These bills uh, are a massive attempt and much more of an attempt than anything we've seen thus far to try to ensure that the election systems we have in place can be duplicated, can be trusted, are truly safe and secure. And it's all going to, since each of these bills identifies a single area of concern and only attempts to fix that one area of concern, uh, it's going to make it that much easier for the Florida State Legislature to vote on it and implement it. If they choose not to address the problems with non-citizens voting, the problems with our insecure electronic voting machines, or the problems that are inherent with vote-by-mail risks, uh, well, then you know the people who shot it down are truly the enemies of the American people and certainly the enemies of Florida. So I'll be keeping a close eye on this. I think I know the people who are behind this. Um, it, uh, but my friend Debbie, who's been on the show before, she's been involved in the presentation of a number of different pieces of legislation uh, to the Florida state government, and they've been very successful. It wouldn't surprise me if this was Debbie as well. All right, guys, I have a really good piece of news for you. Remember that IRS contractor who leaked President Trump's tax returns, uh, that IRS contractor got a job at the IRS simply so that they could get their hands on Donald Trump's tax returns and then leak them to the New York Times. Well, it was reported over the weekend that that person might not get any jail time at all. Uh, but then they woke up on Monday morning and it appears they've been sentenced to five years in prison. Uh, now, five years in prison is a lot more than I was expecting them to get. And the judge uh, excoriated them, had some really, really finely tuned words for them. Um, but the the prosecutors who charged this former IRS contractor who had previously been employed by the IRS from 2018 to 2020 brought charges of unlawfully obtaining and disseminating the tax details of a high-ranking public official and also other numerous affluent Americans to media outlets. Now, the court documents themselves from the Department of Justice named Charles Littlejohn, 38, of Washington, D.C. Let's go ahead and uh, let's let's look at a picture because I've never seen a picture of Charles Littlejohn. <clears throat> see if we can pull up his Facebook. Mm. Is that Charles? Is that Charles? Mm-mm. That's not Charles. Hold on. That's Washington State. Let's just uh let's just look at Charles Littlejohn, 38 IRS. Let's 
Oh, that's him. Here he is. Yep, there is Charles Littlejohn. You guys think he's going to do well in prison? I think he's going to be popular. <clears throat> I think he's going to be real popular. Uh, much like that uh, that young man who used to work in Congress. Remember that guy? All right, so uh, Charles Littlejohn stole tax return information associated with a high-ranking government official referred to as Public Official A, now known as Donald Trump. He then disclosed this information to a news organization known as News Organization One, now known as the New York Times. Uh, Reportedly, he stole the IRS information on thousands of wealthy people. He's probably a commie. Uh, That stolen information was then disseminated to both the New York Times and ProPublica. In July and August 2020, Little John separately stole tax return information for thousands of Americans of the nation's wealthiest individuals. He was able to evade IRS detection. In November 2020, Little John disclosed his tax return information to News Organization 2, which published over 50 articles using the stolen data. Little John then obstructed the forthcoming investigation into his conduct by deleting and destroying evidence of his disclosures. The Biden DOJ asked U.S. District Judge Anna C. Reyes, a Biden employee, to sentence Little John to only 60 months in prison, even though he was responsible for the biggest heist of IRS taxpayer data in history. <clears throat> so here, let me get to the part where she's talking to him. Where the heck is it? I had an article that had uh, some really key statements that she had made to him. Okay, here, no. No, where is it? Oh, look at that. He used to work at Booz Allen Hamilton as well. He got that job with the express purpose of getting to the IRS and stealing Trump's tax returns, which he was able to do a year later. Wow. Essentially, she said that she couldn't believe he was only charged with one crime. Uh, that what he had done struck at the heart of our American Republic and that he deserved far more than he was getting. Hmm. I don't know what happened to it. <clears throat> I had, uh, dang it, was it, was, hang on, let me, let me try this. <clears throat> And actually, let me see. Lisa sent me a text, too. I wonder if that text. Oh, honey, you sent me so much stuff. I don't. Okay. well, I can't find it. Dang it. I know, I saw this. All right, well, I guess you're just going to have to take my word for it. I I had some excellent quotes in that article from her. She was not happy with him. And I don't know when he's going to have to report to prison, but I think that he's going to not have a very good time while he's there. He's also going to have to pay a $5,000 fine. 
Here we go. Mm -hmm. So when he pled guilty in October, he said that he abused his position by unlawfully disclosing thousands of Americans' federal tax returns and other private financial information to multiple news organizations. He weaponized his access to unmasked taxpayer data to further his own political, personal agenda, believing that he was above the law as he was. Anybody else here surprised that he's going to prison? Uh, This is the guy who stole President Trump's tax returns. You know, I I had a lot of people saying that nothing was going to happen to him. Um, And I was pleasantly surprised to see that he was going for five years. Um, He'll get a daily prostate massage. (laughs) He probably will. Probably will. All right. Um, So. Ben Carson is uh, he's been spoken about in regards to perhaps being Donald Trump's vice presidential pick. I want you to just listen to what Ben Carson said. Now, Ben is loyal. One of the reasons Ben's loyal. All right. So I don't know how much we should read into this, Um, but the look on his face and the way he answers the question, it makes me think, man, maybe 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 this is what's going on. Trump is doing so well in the polls. Has President Trump contacted you to be his VP? Uh, I don't want to talk about what we've talked about, but we've we've talked about what can we do to save this country and that we will work together to make sure that America remains America. There's so many things that are going on right now, You, you know, compromising the DOJ, using it to injure your opponents politically. These are things that occur in China and Russia and Cuba. Those are not things that are supposed to occur in this country. And we should be alarmed. And I think the American people are alarmed. Do you see? So Ben Carson, totally based. Also, he's a Michigan boy, so I love him because of that. Uh, He's one of the the most astute and intelligent American thought leaders out there today in the political sphere. And if Donald Trump was going to choose someone who would absolutely 100% support America first and the MAGA agenda, I think Ben Carson would definitely be that person. Ben is also, he's not just a wallflower. Like Mike Pence, he was a guy in, in the background of the pictures, right? I mean, Vice presidents normally just need to be there to shake the hand of dignitaries when the president can't be there. Uh, they don't have a lot necessarily going on. Um, but Ben Carson does not fit that profile. He is so intelligent and, uh, he's, his, his, his ideas. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's right on. He's dead on with so much stuff. I, and he also supported President Trump when President Trump was talking about the stolen election. Uh, Ben Carson is not the one to F with. I think that he would do an excellent job. Now, uh, the talk about RFK Jr. as a potential VP pick. Uh, President Trump and his team have unequivocally said, no, not going to happen. It's all fake news. Uh, now, there was a recent report that came out of the New York Post, and I know that Fox has reported it as well. Um, and considering how, like, just like vehemently opposed to this that most of President Trump's supporters are, uh, I can see this reporting as an attempt to turn people off from Donald Trump and perhaps 
uh, just anger them in some way. You know, I've been open. I think that uh, an RFK somewhere in the administration is totally appropriate. Uh, the idea of him as a vice president, I think it's uh, it's a better idea than it would be an actual act in practice. Uh, I think that it, that the smartest thing will be for President Trump to choose somebody who is 100 percent on board with the America first agenda. And I don't think that's RFK Jr. But I do think that RFK Jr. would be valuable in another position somewhere in the administration. So we're just going to knock that one out right now. Here we finally get to the culmination, the nadir of today's show, the fight at our southern border in Texas. Last week, we learned uh, multiple different times that Texas and Governor Greg Abbott and uh, and the attorney general were not going to allow the feds to come in and gain access to the border. Uh, of course, we had that Supreme Court ruling who said that Texas had to give them access to the border. But as far as it's uh, standing now, Texas and the National Guard and their military force, they are standing strong. They're not allowing the, the, the Customs and Border Patrol and the DHS to come in and dismantle everything they've built. In fact, they have continued to lay additional concertina wire all weekend. And let's go ahead and just wanted to show you guys. Good going, boys. If you're an illegal, there are legal paths of entry into the United States of America. If you're going to come to the southern border at anything other than a legal point of entry, then I believe you should expect to be met with force. You should be expect to be met with violence. I think that any nation on planet Earth has the utmost total right to protect its borders, to protect its sovereignty. Without borders, there are no nations. And without laws, there are no nations. Right now, Biden and his ilk in the deep state New World Order want to erase both of them. Because once they do, they can turn the United States of America into a third world nation. They can reduce the standard of living for the average person. Uh, and then they can fully take over whatever power structure remains so that they can pocket all of the money. So uh, there's also the question of the events that are soon to take place at the border. The rally that we spoke about briefly last week. I know that people are worried about whether or not this is uh, an actual like Patriot event from everything I've been able to gather. And I have people who are going to be there. Uh, this is a rally that is uh, has been created by people with the best of intentions. Uh, there are others who say that we should not engage in any sort of demonstration, that we should not engage in any sort of physical activity. I think that's dangerous. Uh, I think that the the events of January 6th uh, and the persecution of those who were in Washington, D.C., the ultimate goal for that persecution was to stop you from wanting to protest or to show up en masse in person. Uh, the, the history of demonstrating, of protesting here in the United States of America is intricately entwined with our democratic republic. And without that freedom to organize, without that freedom to move, without that freedom to express your grievances, well, then it makes it that much easier for the powers that be to come in and take your civil liberties and your rights and just crumple up the Constitution and set it on fire. 
So I would say that if you're a person who is strongly moved to head to the southern border and to take part in this demonstration, then by all means, God bless you. Go about it. The worst that could happen is that the Biden regime creates more martyrs, uh, that the Biden regime arrests people for engaging in constitutionally protected activities, and they show themselves to be even greater dangers to the future of this nation and to the future of humanity. Uh, And if that happens, the temporary pain and suffering that those who may be arrested are going to endure uh, will be a worthwhile sacrifice for the cumulative effect of waking up the people of this nation. Uh, Because until we start demanding something different from our government, they're not going to do anything other than what they've been doing up until this point. So I am in favor of personal physical demonstrations, not violence. Okay, I'm not stupid. I am in favor of expressing your grievances, uh, of going out in public and making your disdain known for this uh, authoritarian regime. You know, I think throughout history of all of these successful um, uh, movements that have erupted where demonstration was an active and, and vital part of it. Uh, and uh, I, I wonder, you know, how would the world be different today if those people were too afraid to speak up, if those people were too afraid to march out there in those streets and say, we demand something better. Uh, and if they hadn't demanded something better, then what impetus would the government have had at any point to do anything different? I don't think they would have. So. Clearly, the Biden regime is not interested in protecting the southern border. Uh, so at that point, it's become incumbent upon the states. And who makes up those states? The good people of these United States. And so the people actually taking part and engaging in that active protection, I think it's good. We've got sitting congressmen talking about this uh, this rally, take our border back and the convoy that's going to be heading down there. Uh, these... Um, uh, the, I, I, I think that there is an air of legitimacy here, and I, I think that if you want to head down there, that's, that's great. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, but, uh, I do think that everybody here should be, be prepared for this authoritarian government to persecute you for taking part in it. Like, expect nothing less, because they have shown you nothing less. Now, the situation at the border has, as we've said on many occasions, spread throughout the entire United States. Every single state is a border state now. Uh, We have this uh, uh, also coming out of Missouri, a a case recently uh, where a terrorist was caught at the border, released and then allowed to just roam the country freely for the last year. And Missouri AG Andrew Bailey, uh, one of the based AGs that are currently suing the Biden regime for their suppression of free speech here in America, has announced announced that he and X, excuse me, he announced on X that he's going to be filing suit against the Biden regime for this as well, for allowing this Al-Shabaab terrorist to cross over into the country illegally and then just roam freely around the United States for a full year before his arrest. Who knows what he was able to accomplish in that time, setting up networks, uh, perhaps securing weapons, perhaps uh, smuggling money into the country, perhaps giving orders to other terrorists that have been allowed to come in. But federal authorities caught this terrorist at the border, then released him. He roamed around for a year, nearly was arrested in Minnesota just days ago. Uh, and this was after an internal federal memo uh, had been circulated. It was found by the Daily Caller. But this memo only identifies him as a member of the Somali terror group, Al-Shabaab, Somalia 
being the country that Ilhan Omar represents in her congressional seat, apparently. Uh, and then uh, he was caught illegally crossing into the southern border back in March of 2023. Uh, and then in January of 2024, the terrorist screening center made a redetermination that confirmed he was a member of this terror organization uh, and that he was involved in the use, manufacture or transport of explosives or firearms. And then two days later, they nabbed him in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So that's good news that they caught him. Uh, but you have to ask the question, how many more of them are there roaming freely around the United States? Now, uh, just as everybody is really coming to this awareness. I mean, we were ahead of the curve. We've been talking about this issue for years, uh, but now it's undeniable uh, and it's undeniable by people who perhaps just a couple of years ago uh, might have thumbed their noses at the idea that we had an invasion at the southern border. Elon Musk, uh, clearly one of the most uh, wealthiest and powerful people on planet Earth now tweeting about it. Uh, he retweeted this video of the border wall and uh, a line of illegal aliens, thousands of them. And uh, and, he, and he said it's undeniable at this point. Um, this is what's so funny to me about anyone who would suggest that it's conservatives fault that the border isn't closed. These are this is Joe Biden's presidency. This is Joe Biden's regime. These, these are Joe Biden's political appointments. This is Joe Biden's uh, border policy that has allowed for millions of illegal aliens to come streaming across the border without any sort of care or worry. Uh, getting bridge cards and free cell phones and uh, court dates 10 years out so that they can just enjoy the bounty of the American heartland. Well, it's not going to be too bountiful for too long if we keep allowing people in without any sort of checks or balances. And our country is essentially turned into little Honduras, or I guess that'd be big Honduras or something like that. But Attempting to fix that was Senator James Lankford, a Republican in name only. James Lankford's goal was to allow all these people to just stay here and to let more people come on in. But, of course, that's the part of this border deal that was completely unacceptable to us. We will accept nothing less than full-scale deportation of every single illegal person who's currently residing inside the United States of America. We will accept nothing less than the full-scale shutdown of the American immigration system and the physical border that Joe Biden has allowed to remain porous up until this point. And Langford was trying to bend the American people over so that we would simply allow these people in. Oh, just you know, put your head down and don't look at what I'm actually doing. And the Oklahoma GOP is not happy with him about it. Over the weekend, they came to a resolution uh, condemning the actions of Senator Langford and his involvement in this fake security deal that he was trying to make with Democrats. So it was passed immediately, and it states that the party is going to be withholding all support for Senator Langford until he ceased his involvement with this proposed legislation. So the resolution has a number of concerns in regards to the legislation itself. First of all, it was Langford and Chuck Schumer that were working on this deal together. It would allow 5,000 5, illegal immigrants a day 
to enter and work in the United States. This translates to approximately 155,000 illegal immigrants every single month, an annual total of 1.8 million illegals coming through with the approval of the United States government. Uh, totally freaking ridiculous. Uh, now, according to information that was obtained by Fox News, the deal would also include mandatory detention of all single adults, mandatory shutdown of border once average daily migrant encounters hits 5,000. How the hell are you going to do that? The border is wide open. I don't know how they think that they're going to only allow 5,000 per day. That's just 5,000. They hit the clicker. And that 5,000 includes 1,400 Customs and Border Patrol one app entries at points of entry per day. So roughly 3,600 illegal border crossings per day. How would they enforce this? Well, once they hit that 5,000 threshold, a new authority is codified into law that requires Border Patrol to immediately remove illegal migrants they catch without processing. They would not get to request asylum. They would immediately be removed. This includes removals back to Mexico and deportations to home countries. This would be a massive change from the current policy, which uh, is that once an illegal immigrant reaches the U.S. soil, they have to be processed via Title VIII and then allowed to claim asylum. Under the new authority, they don't get processed. They are mandatorily immediately removed once the shutdown threshold is reached. Now, what's to stop them just going across the border, okay, and waiting until 8 a.m. the next day? There isn't anything. The shutdown that would be taking effect uh, would also uh, include 8,500 migrant encounters per day. Uh, the shutdown would not lift the next day. It wouldn't lift until daily encounters are reduced to under 75% of the 5,000 threshold for at least two weeks. This is unnecessarily complicated. This means for the shutdown authority would not lift until two weeks after an average of less than 37, 3,750 migrant encounters per day. Uh, some family units would be released into the alternative to detention, which is basically an ankle monitor that gets put on their leg. But what's to stop them from cutting it off? Uh, the new removal authority to immediately remove all migrants who do not have valid asylum claims will be determined within six months rather than the years-long process we have right now. Any migrant caught trying to cross twice during shutdown phase would be banned from entering the U.S. for one year. Ooh, uh, I'm sure they're shaking in their boots because they all care about the legality of coming over right now. Uh, the U.S. will need an agreement with Mexico for Mexico to take back non-Mexican illegal migrants. Of course, they haven't actually done that. So, President Biden approves of this deal. He's ready to sign it as it is right now and implement the new authority it would give to him. Of course, he's ready to do it. He created the problem that now people have, well, that people have been begging for a solution to up until this point. They allowed it to basically reach this point of crescendo when it's so bad that they're hoping you're going to close your eyes you're going to put your head down and you're just going to take whatever deal they tell you. Oh, it's for your security. It's for America. If you don't believe in border security, then you're not an American. Oh, if you don't believe in border security, then you're to blame. If you don't let us do this, then you're to blame. <laughs> it's so disingenuous. They created the problem and now they're trying to hoodwink the American people into accepting something worse than death itself. James Langsford needs to get primaried. Now look at this. Governor Gavin Newsom 
He says, hey, Biden's got a plan. It's Republicans who are interfering. This is so often the case. The problem reaction solution, the Hegelian dialectic, the problem. Well, we got an open border reaction. Nothing solution. Let me sign this bill, giving me more power than ever before and allowing more people through than ever before. This is like when uh, they 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 want to make a bill about taking more money out of your pocket or something like that. And they and they they claim that it's about green energy. Oh, we're saving the environment with the Clean Water Renewal Act when all it is is just an unnecessary additional tax that they put on you for drinking an additional cup of water per day or something like that. But again, Gavin Newsom claiming it's Republicans. Okay. So where the fuck have we been for the last three years? Pardon my French. Well, we've been sitting here screaming at the top of our lungs that our country is being invaded. And Joe Biden has done nothing except trip, fall, sniff little kid's hair, take showers with his own daughter. He certainly wasn't doing anything to fix the border. And Congress wasn't doing anything to fix the border either. They had the power to ensure that something would be done. In fact, the money was there. But no, we had to send it to Ukraine. We had to send it to Israel. We had to pay for sex change operations on Muslims in Afghanistan. You know, anything other than spending our money here in the United States of America. Of course, all those things end up going straight back into the pockets of the corrupt political officials in Washington, D.C. Uh, Senator Langford, you know, he went on a uh, whistle stop tour, much like E. Jean Carroll this weekend. <clears throat> and uh, and and. He he obviously thinks that he's doing something right. I, I guess maybe maybe James Langford is completely misinformed, but I tend to believe that James Langford is just a deep state stooge, uh, Republican in name only. Anyways, the tilder is that this didn't work. All right. This successfully was shut down because anybody with half a brain, anybody who really cares about border security, who knows that you don't have to tie border security to Israel and Ukraine and allowing millions of people in illegally every year. Everybody who understands those things said, do not make this bill law. This is a bad deal. This is like getting a credit card with 30% interest compounded monthly. You know, was whatever you had to buy necessary for you to be paying on it for the next 30 years? I don't think so. Well, the Oklahoma State GOP has continued on with their condemnation, uh, and they said that they will go further if he doesn't back out. They're going to move to get rid of him, uh, which is exactly what I think they should do. Uh, and also, finally, we have movement on the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. You know, by the way, that deal is dead in the water. It's not going anywhere. But I'll tell you, the the one thing that we could do if Congress doesn't want to, you know, take use the power that we already have to fix the border, because they could have done it, all right? They could have addressed this in a different way. Uh, we don't need more money. The money was already there. President Trump already got it appropriated. The, the wall was already there. It should have been built. The blame is on Joe Biden. If anybody tells you the blame is on Republicans, then... They simply don't know what they're talking about, or they're just too fucking dumb to figure it out. 
But I'll tell you who also is to blame, Alejandro Mayorkas. And I'm sorry, I keep swearing today, and I'm just, I'm, I'm worked up. I'm really worked up. Because we've been watching this happen, and I'm so angry at the political class in Washington, D.C., thinking that they can keep lying to us in the same way that they have our entire lives. That, oh, now, now we're going to do something about it? All you have to do is give more power to the worst president in American history. All you have to do is let us send more money to Israel and Ukraine. (laughs) All you have to do is allow us to put you deeper into debt and poverty. And finally, we'll do something. When they could have done something a long time ago. Why do you think we don't trust you? You're a bunch of liars. All you do is lie and serve yourself. Make your lobbyist friends richer. Put more money into your own pockets. Make money off the blood, sweat, and tears of the American people. Selling out America to foreign interests. Fixing American foreign policy so that you can get bars of gold. Or perhaps a really good deal on uh, on a condo in Monaco or something. I mean, most of these people don't have to worry about huh, the influx of illegal aliens. I mean, they've got private security. They've got gated homes. They've got more money than they know what to do with. They don't know what it's like to have to decide between a luxury like premium gasoline. <laughs> Or maybe just filling up your tank with unleaded this week. What about making sure that you've got enough money for shoes for your kids? Or buying a good cut of beef this weekend when you go to the grocery store? They don't have to worry about any of that stuff. They don't care about us. They're liars. They're narcissists. Warrior Mima says it's okay, Zach. I've said some words that never come out of my that never come out of my mouth lately. It's justifiable reaction to what's going on. Thank you, Warrior Mima. I appreciate it. You know, I, I'm 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 heartened by the fact that now finally they're going to be impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas. I mean, it's a it's a start. I don't think that I don't see why we needed to wait three years to do it. I mean, the the situation at the southern border. I mean, this is also justification for. The impeachment of Joe Biden. I think that if they successfully impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, it'll be an even more stringent argument that can be made to impeach Joe Biden based upon this stuff right here. I mean, they have forsaken their oath to the Constitution. There's blood on their hands. The deaths, the rapes, the murders. So much, so much is laid at the feet of these people. So the House of Representatives has officially released articles of impeachment against the worst homeland security head in history, Alejandro Mayorkas, Alejandro Nicolas Mayorkas, for high crimes and misdemeanors. The amendment in the nature of a substitute to H.R. 863, offered by Representative Mark Green of Tennessee, outlines the grave allegations against Mayorkas, making a significant escalation in the ongoing debate over immigration policies and border security. The articles of impeachment uh, exhibited by the House of Representatives cite Mayorkas' willful and systemic refusal 
to comply with the law. His failure to control the border to the detriment of national security, compromise of public safety, and violation of the rule of law, and separation of powers in the Constitution. The first article accuses Mayorkas of willfully and systemically refusing to comply with federal immigration laws. It alleges that his actions or rather lack thereof, have resulted in millions of illegal immigrants entering the United States. According to this resolution, it not only violates the Constitution's separation of powers, but it also poses significant threats to national security and imposes substantial costs on states and localities. Specific violations include the alleged refusal to comply with detention mandates of the Immigration and Nationality Act, which resulted in the catch and release scheme, which had been ended under Trump and came back under Obama. The resolution cites multiple sections of the act, which it claims have been blatantly disregarded by Mayorkas, including the unlawful release of immigrants and failure to detain individuals as required by law. Article two, breach of public trust. The second article charges Mayorkas with breaching public trust through false statements and obstructing lawful oversight of the Department of Homeland Security. He's been essentially absent without leave. It also includes the fact that Mayorkas lied, made false statements when testifying before Congress about the security of the border and also the vetting of Afghan refugees, as well as failing to comply with subpoenas that have been issued by congressional committees. Also, the amendment accuses Mayorkas of abdicating his statutory duty to control the border and guard against illegal entry. It references his termination of initiatives like migrant protocol protections and border wall construction contracts, claiming these actions directly led to increased illegal border crossings, as they did. This is objectively factual. Now, the House of Representatives is set to approve the articles of impeachment Uh, when it is improved. The case is going to move to the Senate for trial. Of course, the Senate is full of Democrats. However, the border is now the biggest issue in the uh, in the mind of the American people, Democrat or otherwise. So I think you actually have a high likelihood that Mayorkas could be impeached. Because these Democrats, although they are leftists, they're going to have to go home and look at their constituents. And all too often, these constituents have been directly affected by the unrestrained illegal migration. These aliens that have been allowed to come into our home have been allowed to take over the resources that were otherwise earmarked for the residents of these areas that these senators and congressmen are supposed to represent. So the House just voted to shelve the legislation uh, that was previously put in place. Uh, there was uh, a, a long list of evidence that uh, many people have tried to include in articles of impeachment. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene had submitted her own articles of impeachment. Uh, and that was, of course, after the tragic incident where two of her constituents were killed by human traffickers by the border. Now, these are not the only deaths to occur as a result of the abdication of duty by Alejandro Mayorkas uh, and of Joe Biden's willful refusal uh, to uh, direct his secretaries to enforce immigration law or any laws for that matter. Uh, these illegal migrants and the holes in our border and the response from federal 
agencies and employees have resulted in an increase in human trafficking, child trafficking, drug trafficking, murder, onwards and and upwards, different types of criminal activity, just tons of it. So Marjorie Taylor Greene's original articles of impeachment have been shelled, and uh, she is going to take part in this most recent articles of impeachment. Eight rhinos voted with Democrats to save Mayorkas from being fired. Thirteen Republicans refused to vote on the resolution. Uh, these eight. Oh, this is from this is from Marjorie Taylor Greene's initial one. So that's over and done with. We are now in a much different situation. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to the North Carolina GOP who is calling for a vote of no confidence in Ronna McDaniel ahead of the RNC winter meeting. Uh, obviously, in the same way that uh, Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden have abandoned the idea of border patrolling, border control, immigration in a legal manner, Ronna Romney McDaniel has uh, completely abandoned the idea of effectively leading the RNC. I think, in fact, it's arguable uh, as to whether or not she ever was in charge uh, or in favor of running the RNC. That's why we had so many bad candidates all across the country. She wanted rhinos in there. The American people wanted true American patriots. So keep your eyes on that. That's coming up. And, uh, oh, yeah, you know what? I wanted to talk about this because I mentioned this the other day. Those three Kansas City, this is so weird, okay? The three Kansas City Chiefs fans They died earlier this month in their friend's backyard. They were apparently found frozen to death in the backyard. Strange, strange, right? And and the whole circumstances surrounding their deaths also very strange. I find it stranger because uh what's her name? Who who's the who's the chick the 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 psyop? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, okay? She's dating this guy. I don't know anything about football. I don't pay attention to any of it. Uh but Taylor Swift starts dating this guy, and then they now they're going to the Super Bowl. And, of course, there was the article coming out of the CIA, which suggested that Taylor Swift wasn't a PSYOP, even though why are they going to comment on it unless she actually is a PSYOP? And then we have these three guys murdered or, I don't know, somehow accidentally dying. Uh, I think that there is potentially foul play uh, here in this case. And uh, I just think it's very odd of all the football teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, the ones that have been getting so much attention and are now going to be at the Super Bowl where there's probably going to be some satanic halftime show. These three guys are mysteriously dead in the backyard of their friend. Um, so we had a uh, participant in the events. There was a party that was going on. Uh, and one of their friends, Alex Weimer Lee, he was friends with the victims. He joined them to watch the game at this party. Uh, so there were five people who attended the event, three of whom later died. The other one that is still alive was the resident of the house or the owner of the house. I don't know if he was renting or not. Um, but uh, the, the stories keep changing. Like I, at first, this guy that I just mentioned, Alex, he, he said that he left and uh, he didn't remember seeing them or like they didn't show up. And then he said, well, actually, they were there and we all watched the game together. And uh, and then when I left, they were watching Jeopardy um, on January 7th. The three bodies were found in the backyard. David Harrington, 37, Ricky Johnson, 38 and Clayton McGinney, 36, 36, 37, 38. They visited their friend Jordan Willis's home in the northeastern part of Kansas City to watch the game between the Chiefs and the L.A. Chargers. 
on the night of January 9th. That's when they found all of them dead. So they were missing for a full two days and uh, they had attempted to call them. They attempted to call call the guy as well. Uh, and he said, I don't know where they are. How likely do you guys think it is that you have three dead bodies in your backyard and you have absolutely no idea about it? Even if there was snow on the ground, like you're going to see three distinct piles of snow that probably aren't normally there. I think this stinks to high heaven. So police have, to this point, said that there's no obvious signs of foul play and that one of the dead men's families all say that he had frozen to death. What were they doing? Or three grown-ass men doing freezing to death out in the backyard. And why, when global warming is the most prescient issue facing us in today's modern world, what are these guys doing freezing to death in the backyard? Because that shouldn't have happened. They should have been suffocating to death on carbon dioxide. I'm so confused. So Willis reportedly said his friends were at his home as he had gone to bed and invited them to stay over as long as they wished. However, an attorney for Willis first said his client watched his friends leave and then later said his client was asleep while the men continued to party at his house. I also think it's a little odd for grown men to be allowing your buddies to hang out and continue to party while you go to bed. Like, I I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I mean, I would not allow a party to continue at my home if I'm going to bed. So... He spent the following two days saying he had no knowledge that his friends were dead on his property. And then a a brother of one of the victims uh, appeared on Fox and Friends and said, hey, I got some questions. I think everybody's got some questions. There's way too many questions still needing to be answered, and nobody can answer these questions. And And honestly, except for Jordan, the fifth person, he was there, but he wasn't there after a certain time frame. So John Harrington whose son was a victim, is flat out skeptically, skeptical. He said he's not buying Willis's story. And he said that his son's mother and he are both convinced that Jordan Willis played a part somehow. We just haven't figured out how yet. What else could it be? Perfectly healthy men just don't drop off the face of the earth and go lay down outside and freeze to death. There's four of you in the house and now three of them are dead and you're not. That just doesn't add up. I'm thinking he and the three of them learned something or saw something they shouldn't have seen, and he decided, well, I need to get rid of you now, friends or not. Uh, Jordan Willis's father pushed back. He said he would never in a million years do anything. These were all good friends. These were all people he went to school with, and he took them to a football game the day before for the Chiefs. So, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds fishy, and I feel like there must be a connection to Taylor Swift. Uh, what do you guys think? Is this uh, part of a Taylor Swift-style satanic sacrifice so that the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl? It wouldn't surprise me. wouldn't surprise me at all. All right, you guys. Uh, we are going to go ahead and call it a day right there. Let me just make sure that I haven't missed any Super Chats. Uh, TZ Burton, thank you again. Jim Kyle, twice, thank you. Sea to Shining Sea, thank you. TZ Burton, uh, thank you, baby. Red Pill 70, a girlfriend. Freight Awakening, um, and, uh, yeah, TZ Burton, thank you, Buck Wayne, thank you, Glenn MS, thank you, and Warrior Mima, thank you. Okay, so heading on over to pilled.net at the Foxhole. Just Duckies says, much love, everyone, have a blessed weekend. Thick Ray, hashtag, the truth is loose, deplorable farmer, thank you very much for the shades. Filter Dog One says, what a Monday. Paul Thaddeus, thank you for the cookie. Filter Dog One, thank you for the gold pills. Uh, Filter Dog One, 
some people did something. That's right. Some Somalis were terrorists and they snuck into the United States. Dread quarters plus Ilhan really hurts my eyes. Yes, yes. She's not easy to look at. Uh, Incorruptible Guardian says, get her out of our government. Neo says, diagonal bingo. Yeah, there's um, my mom. I, she put too many spaces on there, I think. But wait, don't you can't you do bingo diagonally? I mean, I thought that was uh, what you're supposed to be able to do. Who cares? Uh, says, high five, Zach. They did ID the three service people today. Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, SPC Kennedy Landon and Sanders. And then SPC, the other one is not um, too many, too many words. Uh, SPC, Brianna Alexandria Moffitt. Godspeed, soldiers, and uh, rest in peace. Uh, Thick Ray says, thanks, Zach, for all you do. Hashtag the truth is loose. And then she dropped two cookies. Boise Blanc, thank you for the cookie. Leanne 63, thank you for the can. Sean Joe dropped one, two, three cookies and a can. Thank you, my friend. Judy the Lady Pug says, Bill Swirly Gates. PQuest, thank you for the cookie. Vector117, thank you for the gold pills. PQuest dropped another cookie. Sean Joe dropped one, two, two cookies. WC Cranop dropped two cookies. Norwegian Wood said rhino hunting season. I feel like it is. I, I really feel like that's the season we're in. This is the rhino hunting arc of the film. Filter Dog 1 says so tired of Tay-Tay. I am too. I don't pay attention to her. Um, I just see people talking about it. And uh, I feel like they are going to use her to try to convince the younger generation to vote for Joe Biden. That's that's what I think the whole plan is. I think that it's what it's always been about. They probably they, they probably uh rigged the football game to make the Chiefs win the Super Bowl so that they can have Taylor Swift on screen the entire time and then maybe at the end she'll say don't forget to vote. WC Craneup says see you tonight Zach and then Filter Dog once says see you at Baseless Conspiracies. That's right. I will be back tonight in 3 hours on Badlands Media for another episode of Baseless Conspiracies. Until then, I hope you guys have a lovely day. Good luck and God bless. Here come the gold pills, and there we go. They have been released. The scratching has been released. All right, we'll see you guys tonight. Bye-bye.